Listener Production. So yesterday in New York, the Met Gala, which is the glitziest celebrity fashion event in the calendar, it attracted some criticism because of its theme, Karl Lagerfeld, A Line of Beauty. I think the the question that when the theme for this year's Met Gala was announced, there was a lot of controversy, a lot of outcry because people felt like he is a designer that shouldn't be celebrated because of his views. Yeah, so what are those views? Why are they controversial? And what is the Met Gala? And a bigger question, what should big fashion houses do when their designers become offensive? Um, That is a question that applies to Adidas, who had to deal with Kanye West. Um, That's all in our briefing with Katrina Blowers after our headlines. First, here are the big news stories of the day. I'm joined by Antoinette Latouf. It is Wednesday, May the 3rd. The RBA has shocked many by raising interest rates again following a pause last month. I know that higher interest rates are unwelcome by many people. But the alternative is persistent high inflation and ultimately even higher interest rates and a worse outlook for jobs. Philip Lowe at a board director dinner overnight after taking the cash rate up another quarter of a percent to a total of 3.85%. Tom, it's the 11th increase in the space of a year. It's the highest it's been since April 2012. And I reckon that's kind of the understatement of a century saying this is unwelcome by many. It's a punch in the face for mortgage holders. That's what it is. And it's one that people didn't see coming. So mm. the economists um, that sort of put their predictions up basically all expected another pause because he paused it last month. There was a, only a 13% chance of this happening, according to those predictions. And a senior analyst at Deloitte, one of the most respected economics and accounting firms, has said that Philip Lowe is playing recession roulette and that this rate hike wasn't necessary. Mm. Yeah, and it's not only bad news for mortgage holders, it's also bad news for renters uh, because we have seen this surge in overseas migrants and more international students. There's also a, a shortage in rental listings. So everyone is really hurting. And Qantas has a new boss after Alan Joyce announced that he's stepping down. Here is the new boss. I'm incredibly excited uh, about not just the opportunity, but about our future, uh, because there is so much uh, to look forward to over the coming years. So her name is Vanessa Hudson. Um, She is the chief financial officer at the moment. She's been in that role for four years, but she's been in the company for 28 years. So she knows Qantas very well, has a very strong financial background, and many see her as a very safe pair of hands. She's the first woman um, to ever run the airline. And Tom, the Transport Workers Union has issued a statement saying that Vanessa Hudson, she's going to face an uphill road to rebuild the national carrier. And I do wonder if this is a a bit of a glass cliff scenario for Qantas's first female CEO. I mean, the carrier has been in trouble. It lost more than $7 during the pandemic. And there was a lot of controversy around the fact that at that same time, Joyce gained a pay rise of nearly $2 despite all of those thousands of jobs being cut and Of course, all the recent controversies damaging the brand, the cancelled flights, the lost luggage, the delays. And even just a couple of years ago, Australia's federal court found that the 1,700 ground staff that were outsourced, um, that that was illegal. And of course, the airline now is appealing. They don't want to pay that compensation. So, yeah, I do think it is a really uphill road for the new CEO. 
Yeah, they are doing really well though financially um, post-pandemic and a lot of those challenges you're talking about there are being faced by airlines all over the world as they come out of the pandemic. So that was a really rough time for a lot of airlines as they kind of basically had to start up their companies again after stopping for quite some time. So yeah, it's a it's a tough job. There's a, a lot of damage to customer relationships, as you say, but pretty strong financial mm. picture. And today it will be official. Tasmania is finally getting its own AFL team. This has been a 30-year dream of mine. And to see this occur today, unanimously agreed to by the presidents, this uh, has just simply made my day. That's former Premier Peter Gutwin, who's been a key player in driving the idea. It took 18 club presidents 15 minutes to agree. Tasmania will get the league's 19th licence after funding was secured for a stadium at Mac Point. Tassie is expected to enter the league in 2027. And outgoing CEO Gil McLaughlin will be in Tassie today to make the official announcement. Yeah, this is such exciting news for Tasmania. I think it'll be a really exciting extension of the AFL. And the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has met with King Charles at Buckingham Palace overnight ahead of this weekend's coronation. It's the first time the pair have met in person since the Queen's funeral in September. And it's reported that the Prime Minister is inviting the King and Queen Consort to visit Australia soon after the coronation. And the Australian newspaper is reporting that King Charles asked, will I be welcome? Which is a very interesting question given um, by the mm-hmm. next term of Parliament, we could be having a referendum on becoming a republic. Will you be watching the coronation, Tom? Because I personally couldn't give a hoot. Sadly, I'm kind of right into this stuff, so I probably will be. I'd, I'd, honestly, I'd rather watch the Elsa from Frozen coronation for the 19th time, which anyone who has daughters or young children knows is incredibly painful. But I, I do think that the symbolism of the coronation, I think it's going to be a bit of a jolt that we need to, to really question um, our relationship with the crown and whether it is well and truly past its use-by date. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Left in no doubt as to um, how you'll be feeling if you um, come across the coronation on any TV screens over the weekend. I am about to take a holiday. I'm actually flying to Europe for a holiday, not for the coronation. Um, So I'll be able to, you know, Mm -hmm. watch it in in sort of daylight hours. Maybe I will find better things to do (laughs) than sit in front of the TV. I'll be back in three weeks. You guys will have a great time. And Katrina's up next talking about Carl Lagerfeld and the Met Gala. Well, I don't know about you, but my Instagram feed has been saturated with pictures of the Met Gala over the last 24 hours. This has become a huge star-studded event. Some celebrities even choosing the red carpet to announce their pregnancies. But this year's theme was a controversial one because it celebrated Karl Lagerfeld, a designer dubbed problematic. Joining us on the briefing to tell us why and to talk about the rising problem of cancel culture for major fashion houses is brand consultant and editor Alison Izzo. Alison, thank you so much for joining us on the briefing. First of all, what is the Met Gala uh, for people who don't really know what it is and how did it get to be this big? Yes, it is big. 
The Met Gala is the second day in May and it is a fundraising gala hosted by Anna Wintour for the museum, the Met, in New York City, which is the Costume Institute. So it's sort of a a fundraising activity to preserve and to, you know, raise money essentially for the, the museum, which looks after a lot of archival fashion pieces and puts on a lot of exhibitions. So Anna Wintour is the editor-in-chief of Vogue America and I think she's got wide-ranging um, power and influence over the global fashion space. And so she's in quite a powerful position and she, two things, she kind of uses the Met Gala um, to help Vogue but then she also puts the power of Vogue and all of the connections that she and her team has into this one event. So it's a spectacular visual feast for people who enjoy clothes and enjoy the art of dressing up. Um, and so it's quite a political thing. Uh, tables are very expensive to buy. That's how they make the money. Um, and then what usually happens is a designer will buy a table and then that designer will invite sort of influential and um, like-minded people that they want to surround themselves with. Maybe, um, you know, it's unconfirmed, but there's a lot of rumours around how heavily involved Anna Wintour and her team are in that seating plan and deciding who's invited, who isn't invited, who sits next to who, what celebrities come, what celebrities wear. Um, she often pairs up designers with celebrities or influential people to help their future business prospects. So there's a lot of wheeling and dealing that goes on behind the scenes. But I think most people who um, are aware of it are aware of the red carpet and the entrance and the, the beautiful and often outrageous looks that celebrities wear to the Met Gala. Yeah, it sounds like Anna Wintour has so much power. It sounds really clicky. It really is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> now, this year's Met Gala theme was Karl Lagerfeld, A Line of Beauty. Talk to us about, first of all, who Karl Lagerfeld is or was and why he's been deemed problematic on the internet. Absolutely. So Karl Lagerfeld is a very well-known fashion designer. He um, actually got his start thanks to the Woolmark Award a long time ago and has worked for a number of high fashion houses, including Fendi, um, including Chanel. That's probably where he's best known. Um, he has his own fashion line as well. He died in 2019 and he's really been heralded as an icon of the fashion industry, I guess, because he was a, a creative and he was a photographer. He was multilingual. He he worked on so many facets of the brand, but I think his biggest influence or his biggest impact is the way that he transformed the house of Chanel. And it's he sort of set up a business model that most other luxury fashion houses has followed since. And that is that he's relied on the um, the iconography of that fashion house and has modernised it. So he, there are certain things that he's identified within, you know, especially at Chanel, that he modernised and turned into sort of um, a visual language, I guess, that he would pass down into future collections and modernise each year. But it was always clearly identifiable as Chanel and really that idea of creating a brand, that's what he was incredibly good at. Once you have that that brand iconography and that recognisability, you can then spin that off into fragrance, into accessories, into handbags, into all of these other lines, which are incredibly profitable. And that's where you see the the huge um, wealth of of houses, fashion houses like Chanel. So he's incredibly influential for that reason, but he's also um, controversial for a lot of his personal opinions as well. 
Yeah, these opinions were pretty wild. In 2018, he talked about how Heidi Klum was too heavy. I mean, heaven help us all. Adele, a little too fat. And apparently no one wants to see curvy women. He said that back in 2009. Uh, He also disapproved of the Me Too movement. He said he was fed up with it. And even though he was openly gay, he was against gay marriage. Uh, How was he not (laughs) cancelled? Well, I mean, to be fair, 2009 now is a while ago and he really came to fame um, a long time before Me Too, a long time before social media, a long time before a lot of these movements now where we're seeing, you know, a real democratisation of, of the media, of the voice, of respecting and supporting diversity. He is definitely out of step with the culture now. And I think that um, a lot of the things that he said, if we look back at it in a mo- with a modern context, they, they do jar, definitely. Um, there's, no, there's no argument on that. I think the, the question that when the theme for this year's Met Gala was announced, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of outcry because people felt like he is a designer that um, shouldn't be celebrated because of his views and because he you know, perpetuated a lot of negative stereotypes in the fashion industry. As you mentioned, you know, he said some things that are just downright not very nice. Um, I don't think anyone's saying that's not good. But I think the thing that it brings up is this question of should we judge the art by the artist? You know, is the biography of the person who's created the, the art that we're celebrating important? And sometimes yes, sometimes no. I think there's arguments for both. And that's sort of why, you know, you can look at the canon of Chanel and, the, you know, the, what he's created and you can appreciate it without necessarily appreciating the man behind it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about, um, some of the backlash. I mean, Jamila Jamil, who's got, uh, oh gosh, it's nearly four million followers on Instagram. She posted when the Met Gala theme was announced that, uh, why are we celebrating Carl Lagerfeld when there's so many amazing designers out there who aren't bigoted mm. white men? And, and she put a photo of him up with the word nope in front of it. I guess there was a bit of chatter in the lead up to the Met Gala. It doesn't look like too many celebrities boycotted it though. As we're speaking now, the pictures are still coming in and most of the regulars, including Kim Kardashian, who people thought may not have been invited this year, uh, seem to be walking the the red carpet as it was. And so whilst there were definitely um, media outlets and and people like Jamila speaking out around the or questioning the choice for the theme and celebrating Karl Lagerfeld, it looks like it hasn't affected the guest list and the people who are actually turning up. I think it's still an incredibly prestigious event. It's very good for one's social cachet and status to be invited and to be dressed and to go and to be photographed and all of those sorts of things. So I think that in this case people are still happy to go along then it's not disrupting their attendance at all all right let's talk about some of the big moments at the met gala we even had a pregnancy announcement yes carly kloss stepped out looking not very pregnant but a little bit pregnant and i think that um you know it is it is a huge media platform it's sort of um, in terms of the schedule of big events you know you've got for, for the fashion industry you've got fashion weeks globally but, you know, Met Gala is like Christmas Day. And so if, you, if you've if you got something to say, if you want to 
uh, a big platform to get your message out, why not use the red carpet at the Met Gala? And that's exactly what Carly Kloss did today in that figure-hugging black satin um, full-length dress. I mean, she looks beautiful, but she also has a little baby bump too. Yeah, she wasn't the only one. Serena Williams announced her pregnancy too, so that was a little bit exciting. Didn't see that. That is very exciting. <laughs> Congratulations, Serena. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that question that we were asking earlier about whether you can separate the art from the individual person and whether you can still celebrate the artistic achievements of somebody who has said some problematic things in the past, that's becoming a growing concern for fashion houses. And we're seeing that play out right now with Kanye West, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, I think Adidas has quite the problem on their hands with um, Kanye West. And I think, you know, increasingly brands do have to be more aware of the people who front them, whether that's ambassadors and um, models and celebrities, or it might be, you know, head designers, you know, like like Kanye West, um, because the personal does bleed into the professional when you look at cancel culture and the power of social media and people to, you know, raise their opinions. And they, they not only vote vocally, you know, by social media, but with their wallets as well. So we've seen a huge demise of the, the profitability of Adidas's Yeezy line um, because of Kanye's recent behaviour and outbursts on, on Twitter majority. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Adidas ends up doing with all that Yeezy stock that they haven't been able to shift. I know. I think that they might have to find a sustainable and ecologically responsible way to recycle it because they're not going to get their monies back. I don't think they're going to be able to sell it for the prices they were before. That was brand consultant and editor Alison Izzo. And just as a postscript, Adidas is now facing a class action lawsuit from investors who allege the company knew about the offensive remarks and the harmful behaviour from Kanye West years before they ended their partnership with him. And since cutting ties with Kanye West, Adidas has lost hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's believed that that partnership uh, cost 600 million euro in lost sales and has seen their company uh, suffer a huge net loss. Listener.